Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Happy March to you as we are now in March. As I usually do, I want to give you a little heads up of what is coming up on the show. But first, uh, a little heads up also that there is going to be a giveaway announced later on in the show. So make sure that you listen for that after our culture segment. I think a lot of you are going to be super excited about it. So later on for our inbox, we have a listener who's asking for resources and ideas for how to help a friend who's facing an unplanned pregnancy. And so our friend and colleague here, Robin Chambers, is going to offer some great ideas along those lines. And then for our culture segment, Kathy Rieg is the president of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, and she is here to talk about her relationship with Elizabeth. Isn't this amazing? There are people like living that knew Elizabeth Elliot. Anyway, fangirl. Um, and just lessons that we can learn from the amazing life she lived and a book that she crafted that they found actually after she had passed away. So you don't want to miss that. But here we are for our roundtable. And I have got some great friends here. I have Georgia. I have Paul. I have Emerson. Hey, guys. Hey. hey. Okay, we are going to talk about... And I'm sorry that we chose you three for this because it's like basically around idolatry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry awesome. that you're like the chief potential idolizers um, <laughs> in my sphere. No, we're going to have a fun conversation around what's the difference between admiring a person of influence and someone who, for many good reasons, it could be character, it could be achievement, it could be whatever. They're just, you know, the bee's knees and we're cool with it and we love them and we think that there's a lot about them to emulate versus idolizing them, setting them up on a pedestal, which is guaranteed to ensure that at some point they will disappoint us. So uh, this is going to be pretty fun. So, of course, we always keep it personal and make people kind of bear their souls. So I do want to start out by asking, who are some of your people? When you think of the people that if you were going to sit and have coffee with them, I mean, I guess they could be alive or dead, you know, but they're just kind of the people that you're like, I could talk about them or to them all day. I mean, pastors, politicians, history makers, um, you know, people that sew, whatever. <laughs> sure. Um, I think, I mean, not to be basic, but I think obviously parents, parental units, definitely idolize them a bit. Um, but I will say Elvis Presley. Um, wow. Love that guy. May he rest in peace. And then Steve Irwin was another one for me. Really put that guy on a pedestal. What? Although I haven't heard him doing anything wrong. And if he has, please don't tell me. Um, so I think those were a couple well, of mine. So for what reasons, though? Get one, I thought Elvis was awesome. And me and my dad, that's who we rocked out to. So that okay. was kind of like a, a point connection. of... Yeah, yeah. shared connection. And then Steve Irwin, I just loved him. I loved him so much. I watched Crocodile Hunter every morning. And another one, the last one was probably Robin Williams, which that one was a really tough one oh, yeah. when he passed away for me. So. Okay. Yeah, this is a great topic to discuss. So for me, there's three people that I would say I've struggled with idolatry a little bit in my life. Uh, the first one is John Piper. I think John Piper is just a solid Christian guy. I love his teaching. Um, and I think he's a very humble leader and he lives a great example uh, as, as a man of character who's following the Lord. Um, the second would be uh, Jim Elliott. So one of the mm -hmm. books that's really stood out to me when I was in college um, 
that really just sparked the flame of, of, of faith in my heart. Uh, the Lord used it was the shadow of the Almighty. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just such a powerful testimony of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third one would be Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. So yeah. uh, especially among Reform circles, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Spurgeon's a guy. You know, like, oh, here's a Spurgeon quote, and here's another Spurgeon quote. And it's like, oh, Spurgeon said that, so it must okay. be true. But yeah, those three, I have to be careful not to uh, take up space that the Lord should be taking up in my my heart, my soul, my spirit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those three are ones I really look up to. Okay, rocking the theology angle on that one. So fortunately, <laughs> Spurgeon wasn't too much on Instagram. So you don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't have too many options of like setting him up, you know, outrageously or Jim Elliott either. So. And that is quite the span from Elvis to Spurgeon, <laughs> yeah. Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. I guess I'll great. split the difference sort of in the middle. When I was in high school, I had a goal to meet three people in my life. I wanted to meet Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. I wanted to meet Paul Harvey. Mm. and Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. And so I was able to do two, two out of the three. Okay. And so I'm sure I, I probably bordered on idolatry with Reagan. Mm-hmm. Paul Harvey, I wrote a biography on him, so I really got into him. But yeah. when you get to know someone, when you read about them and write about them, you see their uh, all their imperfections and all, you know, it takes them off the pedestal mm-hmm. for sure. I never met Jimmy Stewart, but uh, again, you know, I, uh, but I could list all, I mean, Tim Keller, I mean, the founder of Focus, Dr. James Dobson, mm-hmm. has long been someone that I've admired. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, I, I love biography, so there's a there's a long list. Yeah. Well, you've done a pretty good job of, like, working with people <laughs> that you admire. <laughs> I mean, your odds are pretty good because you obviously worked very closely with Dr. Dobson as well. Well, I th- you know, if you reach out to people, I mean, this is just kind of a FYI for people out there who are listening and to say, look, if you admire someone uh, and they're living – reach out to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, the, most everyone is accessible to a degree and you never know what moment you'll catch them in mm-hmm. and just reach out with the intent to ask, I want to I meet you. I want to learn more about you. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised the responses you get. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think actually I hadn't thought of this one, but as you were mentioning Reagan, Paul, I had early on in my career, I was thinking to myself, man, I wonder what it would be like to be a speechwriter. And I'd visited D.C. a couple times. And so I had read a book by Peggy Noonan, who was the chief speechwriter for Ronald Reagan and then later for um, George Bush Sr. And um, I just remember like reading the book and then figuring like, well, maybe I'll just try to write to her. And so I wrote her an actual letter and she responded. She actually, I put my number on it. She called me and we met up in a hotel and sat in a hotel and she gave me advice on being a speechwriter and stuff and just was super gracious about it. So that does speak to that of like, you never know. So I would also add, I would add Piper to my list, mostly because I actually went to his church when I lived in Minneapolis. He was my pastor, and this was before social media, so he wasn't like, oh, my word, the cover of Desiring God is like on every, you know, made into a meme like a billion times. But he is someone that I always feel like every time I'm around him, he's just looking at me. I've said this on the show before. He's just looking at me and saying, not sure if you're really a believer. I don't you just kind of feel like he's always saying something wise. He's always reading something that's not pop culture or anything near it. And so it's just kind of one of those uh one of those fun things. And then of course if you go back into history there are a few others there too, but What about Bill Gaither? Well, okay, he's my boyfriend. That's a different thing. Okay? So that's if we're talking about older Bill in case you're listening, men, not old. 
um, who sings Southern gospel. Yes, he is at the top of my list. But I already, I burnt that bridge because I gave him, so he's another one. I interviewed him for Boundless, you guys, for this show. You need to go back um, on the site and search it or or back in Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, I presented him with a wedding photo with our heads superimposed oh on it gosh. for him to sign. And he basically, you know, borderline made a security call. And it was very... <laughs> concerning yeah <laughs> i was just all trying Good to play icon. it up i'm like i'm just kidding um, he's like joking. wow he actually said he said something like this is like the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life and i was just like all <laughs> anyway but i kind of half meant i'm it. sorry to break it bring up a store subject <laughs> it was it was and precious gloria is still with us so that's okay i'm not trying to cause anything to happen just fyi all right um how so we talked a little bit about like the struggle i mean emerson certainly alluded to this like the struggle of like making someone bigger or you know more infallible you know than they actually are how have you kind of tread into that space a little bit and what have you done to kind of check yourself and be like okay okay because i'm going to bring it up i mean we have done several shows now in the last year and two, two years pretty much of some pretty big leaders who have fallen, whether it's a moral failure, whether it's been something related to church power and abuse, um, leadership abuses, stuff like that. I mean, it's been disheartening um, at best. And so what does that look like for you to kind of keep your your spirit in check and your priorities straight? Yeah, for me, it's helpful to um, turn back to where where am I spending my time? Uh, first, I want to define kind of what is an idol. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think an idol is anything that takes up the space that God should be taking up, mm -hmm. um, whether it is your time or, or your heart or the things you're thinking about. Um, make sure that the Lord is on the forefront of your mind. It's no coincidence. It's part of the Ten Commandments, right, that we shouldn't have any idols before him. Um, so first I define what idolatry is, and then I look at my time and where I'm spending it. If I'm spending more time with Spurgeon or with Jim Elliott or with John Piper than I am with the love of my life, which is God, um, then that generally tells me where my love is being shifted. Uh, now, of course, all three of those guys, for me, they, they point me back to God. Um, but I begin to see them in a greater light than I do the very thing that they're talking about, which is the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I, a general great rule is just to look at where am I spending my time? Is it with the Lord or is it with these other people that are talking about him? Mm -hmm. um, like if I was going to get married, for example, which I am, praise God. <laughs> am I going to spend my time with the people talking about my fiance or am I going to spend time with my fiance? Yeah, um, yeah, good point. So that's been good for me. Good. I think the same kind of vein, just what am I talking about? I think that's kind of how I check myself. Um, I think especially when it comes to social media, because I feel like, you know, there are people that when you're younger, you look to them and, and you always think about them, but they're not as captivating because you're not looking at social media all the time. So now in the sphere of social media, I think of people like Emma Chamberlain, who is huge on social media. And so it's like, if I'm talking about her all the time, or more importantly, if I'm talking about how much I want to be like her or other social media influencers, I think I just have to keep myself aware of that. Um, and if I'm trying to shift what I want to do in my life to be like somebody else that isn't Jesus, mm -hmm. then that's where I need to check myself and be like, okay, am I trying to be like so-and-so from Instagram or TikTok because they're famous and it looks like they have everything? Or am I trying to use the gifts the Lord has given me? And if that happens to be using them to 
talk about Christ on TikTok, great. But if I'm trying to do it so I can achieve what Emma Chamberlain has achieved or Bella Hadid or all these people, then that's not where my focus should be. Yeah. That brings up a good point, actually, um, because like, well, Paul says, emulate me as I emulate Christ, right? So it's okay to like look up to people, but really we're not, we're not ultimately ending at that person. We're yeah. looking past them to Christ. What mm-hmm. we see is admirable in them, mm-hmm. in them representing Christ and pursuing yeah. Mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of the old, you know, the interview tactic. They say when someone asks you what your weakness is, mm-hmm. always pick something that is a strength taken to an extreme because that then becomes a weakness. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a little interview tip there. Yeah. But, um, but the best. I, had, I did an interview recently, and someone told me that their weakness was they work too hard. I mean, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's like textbook, a classic textbook. That <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't example. know. I take on too much. <laughs> yeah. But the good news on this front, in my opinion, is that you, as you age, I think, I think it becomes easier to discern. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you know, there's disappointment with youth when people's real personalities become exposed. Uh, you know, you realize someone's not going to be upbeat all the time. They're not going to be polite all the time. They're mm-hmm. going to have a bad day. They're going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. And as you get older, I think you recognize that. And so I think probably the for those who are in their teens and 20s, it's going to be easier for you to manage this issue as you get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Um, by the way, backing up a little bit, I wanted to ask you, Paul, because I think it would be fun for listeners to know, what are the things, Why, when you picked your big three, what, why was it? Reagan was because he was the president of my youth, mm-hmm. and he restored American greatness from mm-hmm. my point of view. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I listened to Paul Harvey on the radio since I was a little kid with my parents, and uh, he was a good storyteller, so mm-hmm. I loved that. Uh, and he just seemed to always have it together. And then with Jimmy Stewart, I mean, who doesn't like, I mean, I'm sure there are people who don't like Jimmy Stewart, but, you know, it was, to me, I correlated him with Christmas and with uh, Happy Movies, and he just seemed to have it together. I mean, he used to, I, I just heard this the other day, he used to walk with his family to Bel Air Press every Sunday morning. Hmm. And so he just seemed to be the guy who had a good balance. Mm-hmm. You know, he was well-known in Hollywood, uh, but yet he has morals straight. He had his family together. He was a church-going guy, and I thought that's someone to emulate. Yeah. Our um, listeners should know that when he's talking about Jimmy Stewart and Christmas, he's mentioning It's a Wonderful Life, which you all should know because our producer, John Pearden, literally mentioned that movie about 12 times (laughs) around the Christmas season. Um, We know John's affinity for It's a Wonderful Life. (laughs) Hey, John. good Good to have you here. Okay, so that said, let's talk a little bit about in the present, because I think a lot of times we we kind of can be a little Pollyanna-ish about, oh, well, you know, it's just because they, they are so, they have so many admirable qualities, or they're just amazing, or it harkens me back to a time that I loved or whatever. But what about the people now that we tend to follow, um, you know, maybe hopefully not specifically the Bellas and a couple others, but the people who... Like we are literally following their stuff and making life decisions off of them. So I'm talking about people that I I know people that will say, well, I'm just going to figure out how so-and-so is going to vote and then I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to, I need to build my house or furnish my apartment in exactly the way they do because I saw it, you know, they had a carousel on Instagram about this. Or I, you know, we're actually like so wanting to emulate them maybe in some of the wrong ways that we're actually taking cues and making decisions based on that. How do we, well, first of all, what are a couple examples of where you've been tempted to do that? And then what do we do to kind of 
maybe not do that in a way because I think it's it's lazy for one thing I mean then we don't do the work ourselves we just kind of go to everyone as our go-to like well you know if if so-and-so's doing intermittent fasting I guess I better you know (laughs) it's like or you can do the research on it you know whatever um even two more serious things even around faith and whatnot we see a lot of people that have jettisoned their faith because someone that they just love you know whether it's a celebrity or something has decided that you know that's not um, something that they would would do or would follow. So, what do you guys think? I follow this rapper Shylin, great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this uh, song called "False Teachers," which is a great song. Highly mm-hmm. recommend it. And one of the lines in that song is um, he he like talks about these false teachers, and then he uh, there's a line in there that says, "You should discern and let the mm-hmm. Bible lead you." Mm-hmm. I think it's so important that while we admire these people, they are we have to acknowledge they are imperfect, and they will make imperfect decisions. So. If you emulate that, you will also follow them in their imperfect decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important that in our efforts to follow the Lord and make the right decisions, praise God, we have a church with leaders and people we can look up to and get advice from. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it is our relationship with the Lord and our understanding of his scriptures and the Holy Spirit within us that will provide the guidance and wisdom for us to move forward in this life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is important that you you ultimately Seek the Lord in the decisions you're making uh, for yourself, for your family, um, and ask him for answers. Uh, He's the one that we are pursuing ultimately. Well, and we know scripturally that wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors, not in just following someone's various social media accounts Mm -hmm. and choosing to try to become that person and and, uh, mimic every one of their opinions. So. Yeah, that's uh, you know, I think you have to follow follow them. I mean, look and see how their life has turned out. I mean, that, to me, that's the discerning matter for me is I say to myself, well, is this? let's see how it worked out for them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the old adage that you should never take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. Mm-hmm. And I think the same applies. I don't think you should take advice from someone whose life is a mess. I mean, don't take uh, financial advice from someone who is in bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. You know, don't take marriage advice from someone who's on their third marriage. I mean, that's a little harsh at times, mm-hmm. but it's one way to quickly discern. I think it's fine to take people and to emulate people you admire as, as long as you can verify and vouch for how things have worked out for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope this doesn't show that, I don't know, I feel like out of out of us, I feel the most um, maybe a part of culture or maybe I'm just not, I don't know. But for me, I feel like it really is a part of like the whole social media thing where there is a part of me that there are some days I wish that that was my job, that I was like every other girl in L.A. who's just <laughs> taking pictures of her matcha latte and just getting to walk on the beach all the time or like travel in my RV. And that's like things that I feel like in my heart sometimes I desire. Mm-hmm. But then I think what reminds me. More so a VW bus. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, not just an ARV. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, has to be cute. Um, preferably blue. But I think it's reminding myself that it's like a lot of times things on Instagram don't look like they're messed up. So I think that's where it's like tough because, yeah, you don't want to take advice from someone whose life is a sham. But here's the thing is that people who don't follow Christ or people who they live in the worldly sphere, a lot of times their life will be seemingly perfect Mm -hmm. and they will think their lives feel and look seemingly perfect. Um, And I've seen that in different podcasts that I listen to and different people that I follow on Instagram. And they're like, my life is awesome right now. And I know that they don't follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because 
we have an enemy who's really good at tricking people. And so I think it's reminding yourself that it's like, at the end of the day, if I had all of those things and I had this many followers and I was living this life that they have on Instagram or TikTok, is that really going to bring me pure joy? Mm -hmm. Because I know what pure joy feels like. And I have it right now where I'm at. And that has nothing to do with how many followers I have or, you know, how many lattes I can buy myself because I'm so rich and famous. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's reminding yourself that it's like a lot of times things will be seemingly perfect from Mm -hmm. the other side. And just looking back to scripture to be reminded that it's like you can have all of those things and it still won't be the best because the rich young ruler thought all of those things would bring him joy and Christ told him it wouldn't. So I think it's just kind of looking at those things and being reminded that things can look really good. But that doesn't mean they are. Yeah. But isn't this a case, too, of everything old is new again? I mean, yeah. it's social media. We talk about it. But, I mean, advertising has been paying celebrities and influencers for decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, mean Joe Green and selling mm-hmm. Coke. And, I mean, why did they pay him? Why don't they just pay another guy? Well, they did it because they, people admired him. And they thought, well, if he's drinking Coke, I want to drink Coke. Yeah, no, that is so true. Well, and it's funny because I feel like, Georgia, what you were saying kind of um, allows us or it, it forces us to think about how we might be pointing at ourselves to in the sense of why do we love these people we love sometimes we do idolize success or wealth or just the power they have over people their great ideas their amazing talent and I think sometimes it can be like okay well what's it going to take for me to get there Mm -hmm. and not that like doing great work and being excellent and having talent is a bad thing but this idea of if we start getting some praise or we start seeking praise for everything, or if we're not getting the praise that we feel other people are, then we're trying to manufacture it. And whether it's not a, you know, it's like a, a Paul or I, both of us have written and published a book or books, you know, um, it's very easy to get caught in that trap of like, do people like it enough? Are they telling me they like it? What if I got this one criticism, whatever, or just anything about our life, you know, like young adults who are like, we have access to so many outliers who seem to have these amazing lives. It can be easy to look at our own lives and say, oh, well, I need to be better. I need more. I need to have more influence, more likes, more whatever. I mean, does that resonate, especially Emerson and Georgia for you in your generation? Definitely. Yeah. It's so easy to become wrapped up in like the practice or the Mm -hmm. lifestyle that you miss the person, which Mm -hmm. is Christ. Like you can, I want to have a good family and I want to have a a good moral compass and Mm -hmm. I want to be a good leader. And these are all things that are in the people that I admire Mm -hmm. and, and I want to emulate them in that way. But the crazy thing is that you can have all those things and still not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to be so cautious about how am I interacting with these people? How am I seeing them? Mm-hmm. Are they something that encourages me to look to Christ and to enjoy him and to be with him as I will be forever for eternity? Or do they point me to legalism? And I want to, I just want these better things, these good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fine line, but it's one that I fall into. Mm-hmm. I think that's the sad fact, and I know it's annoying because our generation is always like, you guys don't understand us, but I'm like, the cold hard fact is that, like, that is something we fall into where we want these things and we desire these things, and I think a lot of times, at least for me, I thought, well, what if I use my platform to talk about God, but then I'm like, I also (laughs) know myself well enough that I'm like, the second I get X amount of followers— I'm going to just fall into my own selfish ways because I know myself because I know I'm a human and I know that I like to be selfish because it feels good in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just recalling being like, is this really for the purpose of sharing the gospel or am I doing it? Because at the end of the day, 
I get dopamine every time somebody hits the like button. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, and as Paul said, I mean, it's just the old becoming new again. I mean, everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to be thought of as, as important and stuff. And so, again, we have to go to Scripture to get our worth and remind ourselves of that, that there is a true north in this conversation. So, mm-hmm. you guys, thanks so much for weighing in on this. I yeah, really appreciate it. That was really fun, fun to hear. Cold day in a London cab, her phone rings. But I can tell the news is bad before the first tear falls. No one wants the sorrow a call like this brings. The sorrow doesn't get the last word after all. Folks, for this week's culture segment, this is a special treat. And you know, there are many people that I've interviewed for the show, because uh, we've been around for a while now, um, that really are are so neat. I mean, people write books and stuff, and you're like, hey, let's talk about your book, and let's learn something from you, which is great. But sometimes people have a special little connection to someone that we've talked about, that we've quoted, that we've um, referenced so many times here at The Boundless Show and at Boundless.org. And this week is no exception because I have got Kathy Rieg here. And Kathy, welcome, Kathy, to The Boundless Show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) Kathy is many things. We were just chatting a little bit before we started taping, but she herself is an author. She's a speaker, um, but she is actually president of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation. Now, did y'all know that that even exists? I didn't know. Um, So, but as part of this, one of the reasons, Kathy, that I even found out about you is there is a new book, a new compilation of never before found. In fact, I think I was reading this was literally some random PDF that was dug up that has become a small book that is titled Heart of God, 31 Days to Discover God's Love for You. And the author is, hey, Elizabeth Elliot. <laughs> so <laughs> what in the world? So Kathy, this is so fun that I I have to tell you, When people ask me, like, who would you still love to have on the show or who would you love to interview? I always say that one of my biggest regrets is that when I started hosting the show, Elizabeth had already retired from speaking and all of that. We started back in 2008 uh, doing the Boundless show. And I always say it would have been such a privilege to meet her and and get to interview her. But um, you are certainly our next best thing because you have a personal connection for sure. Thank you. So uh, super fun, super fun to have you here. So all that to say, I want to start out, you're going to give us a little insight into Elizabeth, but also we want to talk a little bit about the the book and uh, the hope for the book and kind of what you do in association with the foundation. Um, So give us a little summary of how you even got into this role, how you first met Elizabeth, uh, because I know there was a connection there. So give us a little of the background. Oh, wow. The background <laughs> is, um, it was a God moment. Okay. How about that? Yeah. Yes. I met her 
back in the 90s, when uh, early 90s, at a conference in Arkansas. But we really had no communication. She sent me a book. And later, when she already had dementia, her husband and I, Lars, connected. Mm-hmm. And so we began going back and forth. And um, he was essential in a move to Charleston, South Carolina. And they started coming then to see us. But Unfortunately, Elizabeth was already deep in the throes of dementia mm-hmm. by then, but it was so precious mm. to be with her. And the Holy Spirit never leaves us. That's I mean, cool. yeah. it was right there. So that's that's somewhat of the connection. And now my husband and I are actually caregivers of Lars, who has dementia. Ah. He lives about a mile down the road, and we take care of him. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. That's amazing. Yes. Well, and so many of our listeners uh, know my story with my mom, that she had dementia, yes. and I cared for her for the last few years of her life. When, about how many years did Elizabeth have dementia? Um, I think it was a pretty long journey. Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen okay. years. Yeah. Yes. So that was a long, a long journey for her. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about history with her. I was I was sharing uh, with you before how my my dear friend Beanie passed away on Christmas Day this past Christmas. She was mm-hmm. 97. She was a contemporary of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. And those mm-hmm. of you who are listening, I know many of you know this story of the five missionaries um, in 1956 who were martyred in South America, in Ecuador. Really, and there's so much background there. And, and so you're going to have to Google. We'll probably have a couple links of, of extra info as well. But uh, the story itself is uh, well known a lot in Christian circles and such an encouragement and really birthed so many missionary. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of folks deciding to be missionaries in mm-hmm. in the wake of that Um my own parents were missionaries at the same time as the Elliots. I was telling Kathy that that they were in the Philippines uh, at the same time that the Elliots were in Ecuador. And so, but what would you say? I mean, here here is this book now, the works of hers. What I mean, there's a lot of writings. I mean, many in our audience have read Passion and Purity. Uh, many have read, obviously, Through Gates of Splendor and some of the other narratives of of um, their life together, but. What would you say when people, when you talk to people about the Elliots and about Elizabeth in particular, what generally are the sentiments that are shared or the, how people express the meaning that they've gotten from her writings in general? Well, her writings in general, I think, have just been such an encouragement to people over the years. Mm-hmm. I think their testimony of, as a couple, as missionaries, I think people are still awed mm-hmm. by the fact that... They went, but then especially after Jim was murdered, she went back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that that was huge and mm-hmm. took uh, a two-year-old mm-hmm. with her mm-hmm. to minister to the people who had speared to death her husband. Right. So I think people are really, um, they're touched by that. But the depth of Elizabeth's writings, she spoke on suffering so much, and I think everyone assumed that it was the suffering after the death of her husband, but she lost a second husband as well after mm-hmm. three years, mm-hmm. Addison Leach, of cancer. Mm-hmm. So there were many things that she could relate to mm-hmm. uh, with what we go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, but loneliness, mm-hmm. um, she had wrote nearly 30 books, mm-hmm. you know, and I think uh, Let Me Be a Woman, Mark of a Man, mm-hmm. um, she was just solid in her doctrine and teaching. And I, I think she's probably 
one of the most quoted by evangelical pastors, mm-hmm. women uh, out there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And she uh, actually, I mean, a lot of people don't know that she attended Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. Uh, she knew Jim was there as well. She studied Greek. Yes. Um, she went on to move to South America and study the native languages there, um, not only um, Spanish, but also tribal languages, Quechua, mm-hmm. uh, all of that. And so she was no wilting, shrinking violet. She was no, she was <laughs> extremely well <laughs> Uh, well-read, well-studied, and whatnot. And yet, it's funny because a lot of women will say when they read her works, especially about women, they'll say, oh, well, I don't know if I can take what Elizabeth said on that. But what would you say, you know, as far as some of the almost weird, you know, controversy around her writings around women and whatnot, what would be your encouragement to young women today who process that and who say, well, what does God have for me as a woman, single or not? What would Elizabeth say in that space? Well, I think we have to remember it was written in a different period of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, we live in a different day. Scripture doesn't change. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. So she was speaking truth, Mm -hmm. but in a different culture. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to take it from that perspective. Um, She wasn't, I don't think she would be condemning or she was always loving and um, giving. And when I talked to people who actually knew her that were close to her, it was amazing her selflessness and the number of people who wrote to her and wanted help and encouragement. How do I deal with this? What do I do here? Mm -hmm. I just think for today, I think you have to take anything, as I always say, even my own words, sift them through the word of God. And what rises to the top is what God's speaking to your heart, whether it's Elizabeth's words or, you know, a person that you admire greatly in their faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you What would you say? And some of this maybe can be seen from her writings and and her speaking mm-hmm. as well. But describe some of the things that really kept Elizabeth going despite such great loss in her life. Like, how did she choose? Because I think it's so easy in our culture to say, well, has God forgotten me? I'm Mm -hmm. still single. Mm -hmm. I thought I would have this career and I didn't have it. I thought I would have a a bigger or a better ministry even in the church. And so Mm -hmm. we look, we compare, we're, we're wondering what God is doing. And clearly, like you said, you know, losing Jim, then losing her second husband, Mm -hmm. Addison, the, the challenges that they had, what did she constantly come back to to say, no, God is God's still there and he's still in control? Well, I think you can you can go to our website for the foundation and see it in the masthead. Somebody said, why didn't you put her quote? And I said, because <laughs> this is her life. It says trust and obey. Hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. That mm-hmm. is Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Trust and obey regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what it looks like today. Mm-hmm. There is always light. Mm-hmm in what we think is darkness. And it can be a dark path that we're on or um, disappointment, sorrow, you know, loneliness. But God has a plan and we trust Mm -hmm. his plan. And I think that was always for her, that was key, Mm -hmm. that regardless of what it looked like on the outside, Mm -hmm. um, kind of like a hurricane, you know, all that tumult all around, but in the center, in the eye of it all is the calm and the peace. Mm -hmm. And that's in God and your trust and your faith in him. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've referenced so many times her reference to, um, I believe it's a poem where she she talked about doing the next thing. Yes. The do the next thing. Because yes. so many young adults in figuring out one of the big questions of the day mm-hmm. is, what is the will of God? Mm-hmm. How do I know? What does he yes. have for me? <laughs> what does this look like? <laughs> and I feel like that's such a simple but profound way of applying scripture to your life and realizing mm-hmm. that the only thing that God asks of us is to take that next step. What's right in front of us? That's right. all we have available to us. And exactly. Neat to see. And it may be washing dishes. It may be, mm-hmm. you know, washing the feet of someone, you know, that you don't even know. Mm-hmm. You know, what is he calling you to do? Yeah. Um, you know, don't be so focused on your agenda, your mm-hmm. plans, that you lose sight that he may have something for you that is off of the side here, your vision. I mean, whether it's you've got an appointment or a meeting and yet here's someone in need along the road. Mm-hmm. What, you know, yeah. you never know. So always be aware of that. And I think um, Elizabeth, she seriously, she did not ever want to do anything that was out of God's will. She wanted to be led by him mm-hmm. and his Holy Spirit in everything she did. Mm-hmm. Was it always fun and great and pretty and No, it wasn't. You know, her life was, she went through a lot of things. And the more I've gleaned through all of her things since all of her lifelong articles that, um, and I'm not saying magazines, I'm talking about her actual drawers, you know, all these (laughs) Mm -hmm. things going through. She um, was just a woman. Um, I don't say just I'm a woman too, but, (laughs) you know, God Mm. had his hand upon her. And he literally, he did anoint her for such a time as this. And I believe he's, it's all kind of been for 20 years now, just sitting here waiting for such a time as this now to bring her to a new generation. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, give us a little taste of Heart of God. I want to talk a little bit about the the book here, uh, 31 Days to Discover God's Love for You. And I looked through it myself and saw, you know, reflections from her. Also, there are uh, quotes pulled in from others um, who were both contemporaries and other more more current folks um, in the Christian publishing sphere and, and elsewhere. Um, but what would you say, we talked a little bit about, I, I just alluded to the fact that this was found. Talk a little bit about the process of finding this work, um, your involvement in it, and mm-hmm. how it ultimately came to fruition in, we're going to put this together into a into a book and, and make it available. Well, it's exciting because you reference, as we reference the foundation, We've only been a foundation for two and a half years. Mm, wow. So this is all brand yeah, new. Yeah. And in the midst, we'd had many people ask for a little day brightener. There was the little perpetual calendars that Back to the Bible had produced back in the 90s. Hmm. And all these people we kept getting calls from. And so I went back to Back to the Bible. And we had all the content. But I just wanted to make sure. So I said, there is this perpetual called Heart for God. Hmm. Okay. And I said, would you just look and see if there's anything you have there on a PDF? And so they went back and they said, no, but we we think we found a portion of it. Hmm. So it was dug, you know, they dug way deep into their archives and found it. And here it was. Wow. It was this manuscript for Heart of God that Elizabeth had written. And let me tell you, this is published exactly as it was written. Wow. Nobody went in and doctored it. Yeah. No, we didn't. We took it exactly as she had done it and had it published. I went to Dayspring 
they were doing the perpetual, the little perpetual, and they were like, oh, my gosh, this is huge. <laughs> this is awesome. And so mm-hmm. that's how it all came about. Okay. Yeah. So when would this have been written over a period of time? Like what, what time frame are we looking at and about what, I believe, what years? I believe she wrote it, <clears throat> excuse me, in the late 90s. Okay. So she wrote it in the late 90s, and I think she probably just worked on it. And then we know that she had to have finished it in the early, I mean, 2004, I think it was, because the Passion of Christ, she writes this introduction, and she's gone to see the movie The Passion of Christ. Now, see, she finished Gateway to Joy in the early 2000s. So she wrote that, and then it it looks like when she finished Gateway to Joy and they no longer broadcast her, they just put it away in a in a PDF. Wow. But she had already written this, so we know that was key. And then the references to the various people and even the format of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, this is today's format, what we use. But 20 years ago, 25 years ago, we weren't using this kind of thing with quotes from a lot of other, mm-hmm. you know, other people. And like you said, these were contemporaries or people that she obviously, she admired. Some of them may not have had the same theology mm-hmm. uh, as she. Um, I mean, she does quote various people, mm-hmm. but there were people she admired and she obviously wanted to quote them. So we weren't going to change that. That is so great. Well, I would love for you, Kathy, and I know listeners would as well. Is there a, a particular section or an excerpt that you would be willing to read for us that will give us a little window into what Elizabeth put to paper here? Um, I, w- I would love for you to share a little bit. I would love to. And and one of one, uh, first, let me preface this with the fact that the heart of God uh, in the contents you'll see she really nails the heart of God here. She talks about the just heart, the rejoicing heart, the guiding heart, the diligent heart, the awesome heart. The, mm-hmm. I mean, this this will dig you deep into truly knowing the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And so this particular one is the guiding heart of God. It says, when we genuinely seek to know the heart of God, when we prayerfully seek his wisdom and his will, our Heavenly Father carefully guides us over the peaks and valleys of life. Whether we find ourselves at the pinnacle of the mountain or the darkest depths of the valley, the guiding heart of God is always there to rejoice with us or comfort us. As Christians whose salvation has been purchased by the blood of Christ, we have every reason to live joyously and courageously. After all, Christ has already fought and won the battle for us. He did so on the cross of Calvary. But despite Christ's sacrifice and despite God's promises— we may become confused or disoriented by the endless complications and countless distractions of life here in the 21st century. If you're unsure of your next step, lean upon God's promises and lift your prayers to him. Remember that God is always near. Remember that he is your protector and your deliverer. Open yourself to his heart and trust him to guide your path. When you do, the guiding heart of God will direct your steps and you will receive his blessings today, tomorrow, and throughout eternity. Hmm. And she's quoted here Jill and Stuart Briscoe, Jim Elliott, Ray Ortland, Leonard Ravenhill, and Shirley Dobson. Oh, which wow. is Shirley has something really sweet to say here. And it says it's a little bit like river rafting with an experienced guide. 
You may begin to panic when the guide steers you straight into a steep waterfall, especially if another course appears much safer. Yet after you've emerged from the swirling depths and wiped the spray from your eyes, you see that just beyond the seemingly safe route was a series of jagged rocks. Your guide knew what he was doing after all. Isn't that precious? That's great. That's neat. Man, what a neat legacy to have and to have found. Um, That's so cool. I would love, Kathy, as we finish here, for you to share the story of being with her late in her life. I mean, in the throes of dementia, um, I believe, I mean, tell, tell the story of where you were and kind of what happened in just a neat way of God kind of showing a little glimmer of understanding still uh, for her, not probably not long before she passed away. It was just actually months before Mm. she passed away. Mm. She and her husband, Lars, were at our home. And Lars and the two caregivers and my husband were watching Beyond Gates of Splendor in the sunroom. Mm. And right next to that was the living room. And she was sitting next to the fireplace. And I was kind of sitting at her feet, just holding her hand, talking to her. And they were watching it. And the movie was going on. And they got to the part that all the men were killed. And just as they said it, she looked at me and she just raised her hand and did a half moon circle and said, everyone. Hmm. And I knew she had, she knew exactly what was going on. There were those times, and I'm just not so sure she didn't so much of the time. No, we're just kind of trapped in these bodies Mm -hmm. and our minds. And even though the words don't come out, but she knew. And it was just that moment of that, that it wasn't just a moment of recollection. It was truly, Mm -hmm. she was in the present right Mm -hmm. there, right there. It was precious. It was really precious. Well, it will be a blast to meet her someday for you to reconnect with her. Yes. (laughs) Um, To be able to talk about, you know, what God has done through you and through the foundation, even now that she is with Jesus, uh, with so many who have gone before, including Jim and others. And uh, again, folks, the book, Heart of God, 31 Days to Discover God's Love for You. Um, I want to make you aware of, we're going to actually make this available to you as a gift of any amount to Boundless. So um, you're basically going to go to boundless.org. You can search for 787. That's this week's episode. And you'll see the book cover there. Just click on it. And uh, you give a gift to Boundless for any amount for the work that we already do. Many of you are already supporters of us. And we want to send a copy of this book uh, as our gift to you. And so you can make that happen. This is a fun like I said, just a great gift book, mm-hmm. um, just something you can read with friends, something you can read as part of your daily devotionals. It's just a neat, neat legacy piece for you to have a part of. And so, Kathy, thank you so much for giving us a little window into Elizabeth and into what you're doing now and into the book. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a privilege to be here and, and share this also with unbelieving friends yes. who really want to know the heart of God. They'll find it here. I promise. Well, listener, we have a fun opportunity for you. Kathy has provided five copies of this book for us to give away. If you'd like to enter to win a copy of this never before released book by Elizabeth Elliott, here is what you need to do. 
you're going to share an original social media post on either Instagram or Facebook or both. It can be a meme, a reel, a story, your choice. Share a favorite quote by Elizabeth Elliot and tell your followers why it's personally meaningful to you. Include a link to this episode featuring my conversation with Kathy Rieg, the one you just heard, and tag Boundless. On Facebook, we're Boundless.org. On Instagram, we're at Boundless Team. You can enter between March 2nd and March 16th, 2023. Entries are going to be judged on their creative use of design elements, including art, animation, audio, and or video, the quote selection, and a personal connection. And entries are also going to be judged on the accurate use of tagging and incorporation of the episode link. Full contest rules can be found in this episode's notes at boundless.org. Search episode 787. I look forward to seeing your fabulously creative entries and sending five winners a free book. 24 hours rushing past I get caught up and I move too fast Another day is spent Working hard to keep my pace Trying to win the human race But somehow I forget That you're in control of all this mess You got the whole world in your hands Got the whole wide world in your hands And every little thing is under your command So I will trust your plans You've got the whole world in your hands Well, we are finishing out the show by opening up our inbox And uh, as we often do, and quite frankly, always, except for when I'm answering the question We bring an expert in on the actual topic Um, And today is no exception We have our own Robin Chambers here um, Who is in charge of our entire life initiative here at Focus on the Family Which includes um, the pre-born It includes our Option Ultrasound Initiative As well as Foster Care and Adopt Which is such a neat uh, thing that we have going here at Focus on the Family So, Robin, welcome Thank you, Lisa. It's always fun to be on with you. It is. Very fun. Okay, well, we have a question that we knew we had to bring you in for because this is great. Just some practical helps. Our listener says, what are some resources you'd recommend for supporting an unmarried friend of mine who found herself in an unplanned pregnancy? Plus, what are some do's and don'ts for how I can help someone in this situation? This is probably one of my favorite questions, um, and it's so easy to... Um, to throw out, hey, go to this website. But I do want to say we have some of the best content to answer these questions because we have stories, mm-hmm. stories of women who've gone through this, stories of men and women who've gone through this. And so, of course, going to focus on the family.org. But on our pro life tab, there are amazing resources. There is a, a video series that we did for Sea Life. That was the event we did last summer. And we had stories of young women who found themselves in that situation. And so it's just a great way to hear their stories, to hear who came alongside them and what they did, Um, and it's really practical takeaways from women who maybe had great support, women who didn't have really great support, and so, and then my story is on there as well. Uh, My story is an unplanned pregnancy when I was 16 years old and had amazing support from my mom and my dad and then father of my baby, Um, and what great timing, Lisa, today is our 44th anniversary, so what a, a fun time to talk about this. But having him be there and our church, our Mm -hmm. church was absolutely amazing, Um, surrounded us with practical resources. And I know this sounds silly, um, 
but it was fresh produce out of a garden, fresh fruit out of someone's orchard, um, baby blankets and diapers and just everything that you can't think of in the moment because you're so overwhelmed. And so amazing, amazing resources at our Pro-Life tab. Um, There's a resource I love to really offer families that is called Valuing Life from the Start. And it's about how to have those conversations in an age and stage appropriate way. Um, And it even talks about how you have those conversations if you're the friend and someone comes to you. So really great resources to equip you Mm -hmm. on having those conversations. Oh, that's great. And what would you say, Robin, for someone who's listening, who's maybe a 20-something, 30-something, maybe they themselves are are single and maybe struggling financially, what's kind of the best way that they can come alongside a friend who might be in this situation, practical helps, like just ways that they can be there for someone? First and foremost, I think being being very cognizant that she's overwhelmed if she's in that situation, um, something that life-changing, having a baby, um, you have more questions than you have answers. And so going up to someone and saying, how can I help? She probably has no idea mm-hmm. how to tell you to help her in that moment. So what we always say is, how can I support you? Do you need help with going to the doctor's office? I can drive you every month if that would be helpful. Or do you want to go to a local pregnancy center? I can drive you and I can go with you. And with that young woman's permission or woman's permission, you can go in the room with her. Being with her, being physically present with her sometimes is the best thing you can do. Um, Don't quote scripture. I know that that sounds very (laughs) Mm -hmm. contrary to what we did focus on the family. But the last thing she needs to feel is the judgment. And sometimes we can often say things that we think is helpful, but maybe it comes across as maybe a little judgy. And so um, being very practical on what you say, can I help? Mm -hmm. Can I do these things? And it doesn't take a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, being present in her life, not just at the beginning of that situation, but all the way through the pregnancy, all the way through the birth. We have women that will tell us if I had one person just one who would have said, I'll go through this pregnancy with you. I would have chosen life, not abortion. And so think about if you're that person, if you're the woman in your 20s and 30s and it's your friend, what if you're the one person that can say, I'll go through this pregnancy with you, go to the doctor's appointments with you. I'll go set up the crib. I'll Mm -hmm. do those things that will help you um, and open your home. Mm -hmm. Um, Often she just needs, um, let's have a cup of tea or let's have a cookie. Mm -hmm. Let's have some ice cream. She just needs the companionship. Yeah, that's cool. I was thinking as you were saying that, that's such a great opportunity even for the guys in our audience to step in like, you don't know. I mean, at some point there might be a nursery that needs to be painted or a crib that has to be assembled or a car seat that you have to figure out how do I get this thing in a vehicle what does this look like like you said it is so overwhelming so what an opportunity to be a blessing and really an encouragement along the way so well folks as Robin said we're going to link to the site itself that she's talking about here at Focus on the Family um, where those resources are available a lot of great articles and beyond and uh, hopefully we can connect you to that and all the great work that she and her team do so Robin thank you so much thank you Lisa Well, folks, that is it for this week's show. Um, We would encourage you, and this is one of my favorite parts of my week, is hopping over to Apple Podcasts and reading the amazing reviews that you guys leave for the show, because that is how people find out about the show and are willing to maybe give it a chance. So if you'd be willing, as a new listener, old listener, whatever, to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for The Boundless Show, that is, let me just say it, I want you to just leave an amazing review. Um, (laughs) We would appreciate it. Um, But that is really how so many people 
people say, well, yeah, I just uh, I saw a review or I saw this uh, recommended to me and it really does mean a lot to us. So in the meantime, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.